Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me on another edition of Shock Your Potential, the podcast that focuses on excellence in business leadership, sales, and the customer experience. My guest today is someone who now I can call friend, and his story is compelling and will hit you in your heart, but hopefully really stay with you in terms of what it should mean in our day-to-day lives to look at the world through a different lens. So I'd like to first of all introduce to the podcast my friend Brian Wagner. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on, Michael. Absolutely. So I know that your company and what you do is called A Radical Vision, but instead of me telling the story, I'd like to have you just kind of give an introduction to what you do, why you do it, and what does it mean to have a radical vision and why is that important to you? Wow. Okay. Deep, huh? Well, I'll try, I'll try to do that. Um, so we, uh, I, I uh, about seven years ago, actually it was on March 4th. So close to this time, uh, about seven years ago, I woke up and wasn't able to see at all. So I walked to the restroom and turned on the light switch and nothing seemed to happen. But when I turned towards the mirror and I lifted one of my eyelids, it, I could see something. I could see the light. So the lights were on. But so I ended up going to the emergency room that morning. And that's where they told me that uh, I had this thing called a cavernous malformation or a cavernous malformation. It was also called a cav mal. And it's like a venous angioma. It had been in my brainstem and it's always been there, but it had recently bled. And the bleeding caused to put pressure on my nerves that control my vision. So that caused my eyes to go haywire. So I see double if both of my eyelids are open. But at that time, my eyelids didn't go open at all unless I lifted them with my finger. That had to be absolutely terrifying for you. (laughs) Yes, it was. It absolutely was. I laugh. I laugh because um, that's how I cope with things. So... um, Forgive me. That's for that, okay. But. Hey, there's nothing wrong with laughter, and it helps you cope. All the better. I'm, you know me. I'll laugh at anything, especially yeah. myself. <laughs> well, that, that we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. But so I was going. I went to the emergency room. And they they gave me this news, and they said we're recommending that you have brain surgery. Now, this something like this had happened uh, about six months prior. And they said, you know, whatever you do, never let anyone operate on your brainstem. 
Well, six months later, it happened. So that was this was in March, and they're like, "Yeah, you need to have brain surgery." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, we we just had this conversation six months ago. You told me never to let it, anybody do that." And so they they said, "Well, you know what? We understand that, but I'm going to tell you that your problems or that you're having your symptoms are only going to become worse and more frequent." So when they said worse and more frequent, uh, a timer started ticking in my head. So, so I needed so, I needed to do something. So when they, you know, they first told you don't don't ever let anybody operate on your brain. That kind of, you know, I I guess I get kind of the uh, nervous giggle too. But you have that in your head, like don't ever let them operate there. That's that's potentially horrible. But here now they're telling me that's my only choice. How did that feel mm-hmm. at that moment? I mean, what kind of pressure does that? I mean, you said you talk about the the timer in your head, which I can certainly understand, but you know, what's that sense of, you know, your your place in the universe at that moment? Uh, at that point, I am wanting to do anything I can just to get my vision back. I really hadn't gotten to the point where I I thought about you know what it would potentially take for them to you know go into my brainstem and pull off this thing. I, I was only thinking about how can I get my vision back because I, I couldn't see. And that was the most unnerving part of all of it. So, you know, there was a, there was a lot of desperation on my part and I, I just wanted to do something, you know, that would, that would fix it. Absolutely. And it'd be an option. So, you know, I know that just going under surgery into surgery for any reason is a little daunting, but you know, how did you prep for this? Well, so they gave me, when we went in and to the emergency room, they gave me three options. One of the options was to have a cert- the surgery done by a guy in Phoenix, Arizona. The second was the option to uh, do it in st- a guy from Stanford. And then the third was a guy in Cleveland Clinic. Well, I live in Ohio, so it seemed to be uh, pretty obvious that I would want to go to Cleveland. But when I asked him that, actually my wife asked him that because I was a mess and I couldn't talk. So she asked him that and she's, and the doctor said, well, you know, we gave them to you in order. So the world's best doctor for this is in Phoenix, Arizona. So in terms of how I prepped for this, uh, I prayed uh, a lot and tried to get ready for what I thought would be, or I hoped would be the cure-all for my problems, which, you know, at that point I couldn't see anything. So I was wanting to get my vision back. So that's, that's when they told me that's what I needed to do. So I'm going to do it. But when we finally got accepted, because my wife had to uh, send in an application form and she had to send in uh, images of our, my MRIs and all this sort of stuff. So she sent all this in, she was working in you know, the phones and trying to get things set up. But uh, all the time, what I did is I sat on the couch and I would listen to uh, my oldest son's iPod. He had a bunch of Beatles songs on there, and I would just listen to those because that was pretty much the only thing I could do because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want to didn't want to involve anybody else to uh, do something for me. So I would sit there and I I would drink a lot, uh, drank a lot of Maker's Mark, and uh, that's uh, that's pretty much how I cope. <laughs> I can I can understand that there's uh that's reality in in terms of how we can sometimes just deal with overwhelming pressure. Well, keep going with your story. It is so compelling. So, um it was uh March 4th, 2011. That's when uh, everything went dark. 
we ended up getting accepted by that number one doctor in Phoenix, Arizona. And on April 1st of 2011, April Fool's Day. No yeah, joke. No fooling. <laughs> no joke. Uh, I had brain surgery by this world-class doctor. And I thought, you know, it was, he was going to fix me. But we had only met with him the day before the surgery, <laughs> which is really strange to say. I met with the doctor that's going to have brain surgery on me the day before. Wow. And yeah, so we did that. He's like, you know, I think we can take care of some of this, but, you know, there's, there's certainly some things that we won't be able to fix. I didn't care. I didn't know what that meant, but I didn't care. So we had the brain surgery. That next day, well, actually the same day that I had surgery in the afternoon, I was able to walk the hall. So um, a few of my brothers were able to come out and be with me, with me and my wife and my my best friend, Eric, he flew out um, to be with me and my wife while we were there. Well, I was able to walk the hall, but I had to have my brother uh, keep my curtain closed on the back of my gown because <laughs> were you flashing everybody brian <laughs> there, there are some there are some things that nobody needs to see anyway so yeah i was able to walk the hall the same day that i had brain surgery the next day within 24 hours of having surgery i was actually discharged from the hospital did that make you nervous i mean that seems so fast it didn't for me. I mean, I I was like, yeah, I'm getting fixed. I mean, they, they took care of things. I'm going to get my vision back. I'm going to get all this, you know, I'm going to, I'm on the road to recovery. I just wanted to be, I wanted to be able to see again. Yeah. And, you know, it made my wife nervous because she was the one that had to care for me. But what we did is we actually had a hotel room in, in Phoenix, just down the street from the hospital. And we stayed there for the next six days. We had the room reserved, so why not stay there? That way we'd still be close to the hospital if we needed to go to the hospital. Um, and there was one point where I had some fluid build up in my ears with some eustachian tube or something. I'm not sure. Yep, you but, exactly. I've uh, worked with ear, yeah. nose, and throat doctors too long not to know that. <laughs> so you're correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we ended up going back to, uh, to the hospital, had an, another MRI. It was uh, okay. But yeah, we just stayed there at the at the hotel and stayed by the pool and I mean, it, mostly in my room, really. We walked to the uh, IHOP down the street and, uh, you know, was trying to just make do with, with what I had. And uh, the whole time, I'm still thinking, okay, this is the next step. So and I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to get better. But that didn't exactly happen that way. So what... What did happen? I know, you know, it's, as you've been talking, it's, it really strikes me how many times you've said, you know, I just wanted my vision back. I just wanted my vision back. And, you know, those things can become like a mantra to us, you know, and we really believe in it and, and believe those things will be it sometimes to our own detriment. I know for myself, a belief, wanting to believe something so badly, but you know, what was the reality for you? Well, the reality was that I would never get my full vision back. Um, I have one eye that doesn't open at all. So um, you may think that I'm winking at you, but I'm not. <laughs> I have, uh, if I were to lift with my other eyelid that doesn't open, I, I would see double because there's damage to, I don't know, what's called the seventh nerve and third nerve. I'm not sure what, but um, so I have 
double vision and my eyeballs don't go together. So I actually went to, again, because uh, I was hell bent on returning to normal, I really wanted to go to an ophthalmologist because they told me in, in Phoenix, they said, well, you know, you may be, able, may be able to go to an ophthalmologist back in Ohio and they may be able to help you with your eyesight because they could, well, to a certain extent they could. So I went to this ophthalmologist and tried one and he wasn't a good fit for me. So I tried another one and he felt a lot better. So he ended up having two surgeries on, he did two surgeries on my eyes. And, you know, they were, the surgeries essentially were where they pulled my eyelids back and he would go in behind my eyeballs and move the muscles around on my eyeballs in order to try to get my vision to line up. So mm -hmm. at least from a forward on stare, I would, or if you want to gaze, I would be able to see a single image. Well, that didn't seem to work very well. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure why. We thought it might be because there's still another venous angioma or a cavernous malformation in my brainstem. So not sure if that had something to do with it or not. But we ended up, um, he said, well, what, what do you, I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know what else to do. And I said, well, I really just want to have some more light come into my eyes because I feel like, and this is me, you know, being six months out of surgery, out of brain surgery, I feel like if I had more light coming into my eyes, it would be better. So what I'm thinking is he's going to do some eyelid thing, you know, where, because I guess guys that have eyelids that are droopy, they can, you know, <laughs> suspend them a little bit, make yep. them a little more open. Yep. Well, I, I thought that's what he was thinking, but he's like, oh, I've got another idea. I said, okay, what is it? He said, it's where we are actually going to give you what's called a frontalis sling. Uh, I said a frontalis sling. So well, what's that? It sounds like a, frontalis sounds like sling. a cocktail to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a good cocktail. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, so he says, it, what it is, is where we put a fishing line in your head that connects your forehead, your eyebrow, to your eyelid. So anytime you lift your eyebrow, your eyelid will come open. So it's on a string. Right. And that's what happens. And I am able to see, I'm able to get light, more light into that right eye. But that's not really a good thing because I see double when I have more light coming into that right eye. Right. Because when your eyelid's open, you're still faced with the same issue of the double vision. Right. Right. So... Yeah, it's great. I have more light coming into my eye, but it's not great because I see double. So it's a, it's one of those things where, you know, it was me being stubborn and bullheaded and had to have this thing done because I thought it was going to, you know, get me back to good vision and ended up kind of working the other way. <laughs> so I left it in um, and it's just the way it is. So what have you learned from all this and how do you apply it in your day-to-day -day life today? And, and how do you apply it to help others? There's a lot of a lot of that has gone into it because you know, when I was in the middle of this, I really wanted to. I I said I prayed, you know. I said, you know, if there's ever any, if there's ever a way that I can get through this, I want to be able to help other people to be able to do the same thing. Now, so what I've done with that is I have started in my own organization. It's called a Radical Vision, and it is a Radical Vision because that is what I have. And I have the ability to help people that are going through tough things and tough times. And it doesn't have to be brain surgery. It doesn't have to mean, you know, double vision. But 
I'm really, um, I'm really excited about helping people that are just experiencing difficult issues, difficult times. And I'm, I'm an author and a speaker and a coach. So I have a book and I do have a number of speaking engagements where I'm going out and speaking with people about how they can go from a point of blindness to sight to vision. So that's the way I relate everything in I, that I do in all of those uh, different mediums is to help people from a point of blindness to sight to vision. So essentially they need to go blind, not physically, but at least mentally, spiritually, uh, socially, some, they, have, they have to understand that they have blindness because we all have blindness. It's just that we don't all admit that we have blindness. So very true. It's so easy to say, oh, I am fully aware and I know what's going on in my own life or my company or or the people around me. And yet the more that we, you know, purport how much we know, in reality, often there's so much that we are turning a blind eye to. I, I think that's such a great, uh, it's such a great analogy. And I know that you you use this in businesses as well when you speak to a number of different groups, but can you give me an example of, you know, a group or a business where you've taken a real solid issue that they have as an organization or a company and help them to recognize, first of all, that blindness before they can achieve new, uh, new vision? Yeah. So one of the areas that I would refer to would have to be where I was helping a a gentleman that was looking at a new job and he was considering what it would look like and he was nervous about making a move and I just had conversations with him and essentially got him to the point where he understood that you know his 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 outlook needs to change because he needs to he needs to have a clear vision for not only his current current position his current job but what what he wants it to look like in five years or three years, you know, down the road. So that's one area where I've been able to help an individual, maybe not a company, but companies will, um, will, will be more interested in how I can help them and their, and their sales leaders. So I've done sales leadership workshops where I had conversations with these companies in regards to what it is that they can do to be able to identify their blind spots. You know, we've all got blind spots, whether we're companies or individuals. And then if they can identify that blind spot or they can have someone else identify it for them, because that's really where it's going to be. It's going to be having someone else identify it for them. You can't identify your own blind spot. That would not meet the definition. So um, (laughs) doing that blind spot identification is, is the first step. The second step is really to, well, it, first you got to understand that you're blind and then you got to identify your blind spots. And then third is you have a vision. And if you can have a vision, you can be able to understand not only how, you know, you can take that blindness, that blind spot and to be able to leverage it for the greater good. And then like, because that's what I've done, you know, I've taken my blindness, my blind spot and leverage it for the greater good. So if you can be able to do that in the, in a, as an individual or as a company, then you're going to be able to have a much better vision for your life. And that's what it's all about. And that's the hard part, of, you know, to your point, it's the definition of a blind spot is you can't see it yourself, but it's the acceptance or the willingness, the openness to say, okay, I'm, I'm, 
I'll let the curtain be raised here. I always talk about um, the fact that we have a mirror and I, I pretend my hand is my mirror. And in fact, as I'm doing this right now, I'm holding it up. It's kind of one of my trademarks. And I always say, you know, I carry this mirror around with me everywhere um, and I have to look at it. And sometimes I don't like what I see there, but I have to look or else I am, you know, I'm turning away from something that's going to help me grow or help me be better, but it's not easy for people and so, and especially not for companies to, to come face to face with that sometimes. So how do you help them to say, okay, we're, we're ready to, uh, you know, be aware of our blind spots and do something about it? Well, there's a number of different ways. I mean, what, like you said, the mirrors is, is one way, you know, where you have a two-legged mirror because <laughs> I have that when I'm speaking, you know, I can, I can look at my audience and I can see how they're taking in what it is that I'm saying. If for companies though, you know, it may be that they need to change their perspective. And that is something that will be very, very helpful if they're able to do that. If they're able to be able to, to change their perspective, listen differently, and then be able to experience different things from a customer's perspective and not experience them as a salesperson or as the CEO or as whatever. You need to be able to understand how their customer is being treated and how they feel when they're being treated that way. Absolutely. That, that's, yeah, that's something that I think is the most helpful part of what, what it is that I've been teaching people. How are they hearing what it is you're saying? One of the ways that I help customers is with a thing called a Joe Harry window. And the Joe Harry window is, uh, it's actually a tool that was built in 1955 by two guys uh, two psychologists. Their names were Joe, Joe. and Harry. Joe and Harry. <laughs> Thankfully, Harry didn't get top billing. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> but the the window is if you look on the top side of the top side of the window, you'll have things that you know, and then you have things that you don't know. On the left hand side of the window, you could write things that other people know and things that other people don't know. So the window has four quadrants. In the upper left-hand quadrant, we'll call that quadrant number one, that would be things that you know and things that other people know. That is your best area. You want to be able to expand that area as much as possible. Those are the things I'm happy for the world to see about me. Absolutely. Gotcha. Absolutely. Now, the next window to the right, that would be quadrant number two. And that is the things that you don't know, but other people know. So that is really your blind spot. Mm -hmm. That's where things you don't know, but other people know. That's the, those are the things that people t say about me when I'm not around to hear it. <laughs> right, right. Gotcha. And we all have. So we want to we want to make that window as small as possible. So one of the best ways to make that window as small as possible, and you know, you've got to make sure that you understand this. It's really to solicit feedback. So if you solicit feedback you're going to be able to shrink that window, but you need to make sure that when you receive that feedback, you receive it as it is. We have to understand that feedback is a gift. And what do you say when you receive a gift? Thank you. That's right. So <laughs> when you receive feedback, you need to do the same thing. And that's going to allow you to be able to shrink that second window because when they, when they know that you're not going to bite their head off when, when you receive feedback, honest feedback, they're going to be more apt to give it to you in the future. 
Well, yeah, that yeah. And, and also whether or not you try to rationalize or explain away or try and justify, you know, I, I love that concept, just saying thank you because it says, okay, I hear what you're saying and now I will process it, but I'm not going to say you're right, you're wrong, or I'm right or wrong. I'm just going to listen. Right. Right. Exactly. Excellent. Quadrant number three is in that bottom left-hand corner. Quadrant number three is the area where there, there are things that you know, but other people don't know. So as a leader, you want to be able to be, um, you want to have your people know things that you know that they, that they don't. So it's going to allow you to have a much more successful team. It's going to allow you to have a much more efficient team. It's going to allow you to be able to have a, a much more um, cohesive team. And that's really what you want. You want to be able to give these people that green light. So when you solicit feedback, you give them the green light. When they want to know more about you that they don't know, you give them the green light. That's going to allow them, to, you know, it's going to, you're going to have to become more vulnerable. So you're going to have to tell them, you know, what your emotions are. What are your motives? What are the things that really make you who you are? And then they'll, they'll need to understand, you know, uh, maybe you have a degree in industrial engineering, like I do. What would I, what have I ever used that for? Well, it allows me to be able to to do certain things and have certain conversations with people that may not be appropriate for the current team that I'm on. But if they understand that, they'll kind of know a little bit more about my history, my background. Same things with you know other things in my life that would be helpful for people to know. But I just don't think that it really matters. I, I need to understand as a leader, I need to understand that helping people understand me is helpful regardless of whether it is helpful for the specific job that we're doing or not. Well, and I think one of the things that you said there that really struck me too um, is about the idea of letting people ask questions. So it doesn't mean, you know, that you have to tell everybody everything about yourself all the time, but the openness, the transparency that people know that they can come and ask you a question. And then from your perspective, also think about what parts maybe they, they don't know about me that I can interject at times that are appropriate, that give them just that little extra piece of information, that little extra piece of me. It shows that I'm willing to give as well. And at the end of the day, I always say we're all human beings. So the more we can show our humanity, the more you get people to buy into you and, and feel comfortable with you, especially when they're in vulnerable situations. Right. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. That's quarter number three. And then on the bottom right is quarter number four. And that is really your, your, uh, your blind area. I mean, that's where, you know, you, you have things that you don't know and there are things that other people don't know. So what would that be? For example, um, this sounds you know, very, this sounds well, very deep. I'm getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be about me. It's not about you. Okay. Good. Um, but for me, you know, 16, I spent the last 16 years in it sales. So it's only been, you know, just the last few years that I've been concentrating on, you know, this whole area of blind spots and being able to help teams and to be able to help organizations. I really had no idea what it is that I was capable of. I had no idea what my history would be able to lend itself towards, you know, helping people. So in that, in that 
that was really where I was, was in that fourth quadrant, you know, the bottom right-hand corner. I had things that I didn't know, and certainly other people didn't know because we'd never talked about them. So as I continue to grow and continue to learn, there's multiple things that have been able to come from me having the experience that I had in having brain surgery and having lost my sight and being able to do all that. So that has allowed me to be able to, to shrink that fourth quadrant and not grow it because that's a, that's a bad quadrant to be in. Um, so it may, for example, if you were to have a, a new team member come on and they were straight out of college, well, there's probably a lot of things about them that they don't know. Absolutely. And then Without a doubt. Also, a huge number of things, yeah, there are a huge number of things that um, other people don't know because they're new to the team. So it's such a simplistic tool, this Joe Harry window, but it's so valuable because we can help people. We can help people through those things. So in addition to not only just the tool, and the tool really creates a lot of self-awareness, but then there's also the things that you can have. You can have um, like team building exercises, and we'll leverage different team building exercises to be able to help people to to really shrink that second quadrant and to be able to shrink that third quadrant and hopefully eliminate that fourth quadrant and then make it all about that first window, that first window pane and have that be who they are. Right. So that's really something that I'm excited about is to be able to help people with that. So I know you've learned a lot through this experience. And now that I've had a chance to get to know you personally as well, there's there's so much I see in you. It's It's been a joy just getting to, to know you. And I see that, you know, you have made that mental, you know, jump that says, okay, this is, this is my life. I didn't want this in terms of this happening to me physically, but you've seen how to apply it into, you know, a whole different career for yourself. Um, so it's always, this is a, you know, the question that's always kind of a mixed bag, but, but the question that I'd like to ask everybody is knowing what you know now, if you could go back to any point in time and do something different tell yourself something different, maybe do something the exact same, you know, tell yourself the exact same thing you did, you know, what would you go back and, and tell that younger self, whether it's a change or, you know, just keep going that would have helped ease your transition and shocked your potential to where you are even faster. Hmm. That's a great question. You know, I've always thought that if I could go back in time and tell myself one thing, my future, my former self, I always thought that I would tell him to read more hmm. because there's so much that comes from reading that, you know, I never, I never experienced, I never did before. And I mean, it sounds kind of stupid, kind of simplistic. Not at all. I think it's fabulous. It, it's, that's w- one thing that I've, I've been uh, doing a lot more of, even though, you know, I'm, I'm visually impaired, but I'm still, you know, I am still, I am reading a lot more than I ever did before. So being able to take in information, whether it's, you know, um, an exact prescription for what it is that I'm working on, or if it's something fun, or if it's something that's just enriching in my life, you know, I get to experience a lot, a lot of things that 
you know, I wouldn't have gotten to experience before because I'm able to pick up a book or I'm able to listen to a book. And you just, it's fascinating. The, the people that, I, that I've been reading lately, you know, guys like, oh, geez, Tim Ferriss. And I'm reading a book called, uh, what is it called? <laughs> it's so good you can't remember it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then there's the, the, uh, the, um, the podcast by Tim mm-hmm. Ferriss. And then there's Rich Roll. And then there's, you know, a number of other people that are, you know, really um, been able to help. And then, um, yeah, so Changing for Good, that's the oh, name yeah. of the book that I'm Excellent reading. Book, yes. And yeah, so very, very good. I mean, the, I'll be reading How to Think Like Da Vinci. Uh, we're going to be going on a trip here in about a week. I mean, I'll be reading that book. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, you know, other books that I've read, like uh, by Kerry Oberbrunner. He has a number of books one called The Deeper Path that really got me started along this whole uh, way. So then there's a $100 Startup by Chris Gellibo. <laughs> there is a, the, the, the Secret Name by, by uh, Carrie Oberbrunner. There is, Are you just uh, reading off your bookshelf uh, right now? <laughs> I am not. No, I'm not. I'm not even looking at it. I'm not even looking at it. Uh, there's another book that I wanted to read. I'm trying to think what it was called because it was uh, by Dan and Chip Heath. You know what I'm talking no, about? I don't. It's supposed to be really good. So there's a book on branding. That's one, but that's not the book that I'm referring to. And that book on branding is by Dan Don Don Miller. I think I better s- and I better Miller. send you my book, and you better send me your book. <laughs> we need to do yeah. a book swap. <laughs> okay. Um, it's called uh, the that book I was referring to by Dan and Chip Heath is called Made to Stick. Made to Stick. All right. Yeah. And then there's a uh, two other books that I have on my list that I don't have yet, but I'm going to get them. Um, one is called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. That is a very good book by Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very a good, good book. book. Yes. And then the second one is called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. I've not heard of that one. I think it's so, it is so important. I have been a voracious reader all of my life. And it's funny that you say this because, oh God, probably about 10, 12 years ago, I was uh, teaching at, at a very large conference. I was doing a, a huge seminar and I had uh, somebody asked me about you know books. So I started rattling off you know a number of the ones that I read at that time. And so people stayed after and they he had me write them all up on the board. And I don't know, I had probably just like you, I had probably 10, 12, 14 of them that I, you know, were some that I'd read multiple times, you know, that they struck with me. And one of the gals, I ran into her just like three years ago. So it's been about a 10 year span, maybe or so. And uh, you just, we were visiting and I said, gosh, it's so great to see you. She goes, I read every single one of those books. And I said, what? Because I'd forgotten about the whole thing. <laughs> she goes, I went back and bought them wow. all after that. And I read them all. <laughs> huh. So I said, Good, fantastic. Huh. She, you know, and just, just the enthusiasm for, you know, what people write and how they, you know, how they help us to grow and develop and our ability to consume that information, I think is so important. Absolutely. Yeah, you, I've been thinking while while we were while you were talking. There's yeah, the the energy bus by John Gordon. You know, and <laughs> yes, another good book. Um, yeah, so many, and um, I you know I think that that's that's the key is how we 
how we allow ourselves to continue to learn and grow and develop because as long as we're still learning, you know, we're still moving forward. Once we decide we're not going to learn anymore, then we're on our path to dying anyway. So, you know, let's embrace it and let's be a part of it and very active. Amen. Well, Brian, it has been fabulous talking to you. So we have a few minutes left. You know, what do you want my listeners to leave with knowing about you? And certainly we'll give all your uh, information before we wrap up. But, you know, what do, what do you want them to walk away from listening to this really embracing? You know, if there's one thing about me that I want people to know, um, I, obviously, you know, the title, the title of my book kind of gives you a little bit of an idea um, that I'm not all about um, being straight laced and, and all that. So the title of my book is called sometimes it does take a brain surgeon. So, uh, you know, it's, it's got a little bit of humor just in the title alone. Um, and I want people to understand that I, I am able to have fun. I'm able to have a good time, but at the same time, I do understand that, you know, I need to be able to help people. I need to be able to, to do things for people in order, in order for me to be able to, to feel successful in order for me to be able to feel like my life is well lived. That's really, that's really what it's all about. It's kind of a strange situation, but that's what I feel the best about is when I am helping people and that's servant leadership or whatever you want to call it. But that's really what makes me the most happy. I love it. And I think that's the end of the day. The more that we do that for people around us, the better this world is. I think we can do it through business. We can do it through personal relationships, but we just have to make sure that that's at the top of our consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, people can find you at uh, your website, which is a radicalvision.com. I will have that in the show notes as well. Um, You also mm -hmm, go ahead. Also get there um, by typing in Brian with one eye.com. Brian with one eye.com. <laughs> yes. I I E Y E or just with an I. Exactly. I love that joke. <laughs> when you first told me, I was like, oh my gosh, it kind of makes me uncomfortable, but it makes me giggle because I know you like to laugh. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, for anyone who's uh, watching too, Brian has an excellent uh, TEDx talk. So um, you can uh, take a look at him in action on his website as well as see some of the different things that he does. Brian, thank you so much for being my guest today. It is always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, I just hope uh, that people uh, not only check out what you're doing, but they take this message to heart and continue to uh, open ourselves up to our blind spots every day. Great. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.